Excellent. Welcome back to everyone joining us from America, Israel, and around the globe. My name is David Frankel. And as the executive director for Orator Stone North America, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to the 18th shear in our OTS Presents Zoom series. Today, you're in for an especially wonderful treat, but more on that in just a moment. Before we turn our attention to the Zoom shear, I first want to make you aware of the exciting Rosh Hashanah matching gift campaign that Orator Stone is running through the end of September. With thanks to a few generous benefactors, every donation received by September 30th will be matched dollar for dollar. Your gift of $50 is worth $100. Your gift of $500 is worth $1,000. It's just that simple. To maximize your generosity and make your tax-deductible gift of tzedakah during this high holiday season to support the important work of Ortor Stone, visit us at ots.org.il. Again, that's ots.org.il. Now, back to today's shear. For returning students and those joining us for the very first time, I want to direct your attention to the Q&A button at the bottom of your computer monitor. If you have any questions during the shear, feel free to send it to us by using the Q&A button. And to avoid breaking the flow of the presentation, I will relay your questions to our speaker at the end of his talk. As with each of our shiurim in the series, we are once again committing today's shear to serve as a spiritual merit for those battling in their recovery against COVID-19 and as a memorial dedication for those who have tragically passed away as a result of this devastating illness. May their memory be for a blessing. Now, with your permission, it gives me great pleasure to introduce today's speaker. Rabbi Yoshua Grunstein received smicha from the Chief Rabbinate of Israel and holds a BA in education from Herzog College. Formerly the Rabbi of Beth Israel Synagogue in Halifax, Canada, he serves as Director of Training and Placement at Ortor Stone's Strauss Amiel and Baron Amiel Institute, which trains, places, and offers ongoing support to spiritual leaders who serve the Jewish world around the globe to promote a Judaism based on halakha, loving kindness, professionalism, and unity. Rabbi Grunstein also serves as an administrator of the Rabbinical Court for Conversions in Gush Etzion, as part of the founding faculty of the Morning English Speaking Kolel of Efrat, and as the author of Daven Your Age, An Adult Journey Through the Daily Prayer Service and Beyond Routine, Turning Ritual into Meaningful Jewish Practice. Joining us during this month of Elul to offer his sheer titled Celebration and Trepidation, Rosh Hashanah with and without the sounds of the shofar, it is my great pleasure to present Rabbi Yehoshua Grunstein. Rabbi, America, it's really a pleasure to be with you and uh, a further pleasure that I'm able to uh, share these words of Torah with you at this time. Um, it's not a given here in Israel that we're able to give uh, public lectures, especially with uh, the situation the way it is because of COVID-19. And to be able to use Zoom and to uh, share with you a few Torah thoughts before Rosh Hashanah is really a huge privilege for me, and uh, I hope I won't disappoint you. There's nothing really uh, normative about this particular Rosh Hashanah. Everything about it, I think, is rather first time for many of us. 
Many of us won't find ourselves in shuls for the first time. Many of us may not even be davening with a minion for the first time. And amongst the many new things this year, there is one thing that I have to say is maybe more normative. And that is that Rosh Hashanah this year falls out on Shabbos. And because of which we're gonna have two days of Rosh Hashanah as normal with one change. Rosh Hashanah, we won't be blowing the shofar. And Rosh Hashanah of Sunday, we will. This happens every few years. It's not uh, that rare of a recurrence. However, with all the things that are changing this year, one of the many changes. So I wanted to share a few thoughts with you on that particular topic and basically ask one fundamental question. Is the Rosh Hashanah this year of Shabbos fundamentally different than Sunday? Because we won't have that chauffeur blowing, is the day basically the same, albeit minus the chauffeur, or is the day dramatically different because we will not have that chauffeur with us? There is a source sheet in the chat that you're, of course, welcome to look at. You don't have to look at it. I'll be uh, reading off of it. But if you want to follow along, we're on the top of the source sheet. The Mishnah, the beginning of the fourth parak of Prachtet Rosh Hashanah, says, Yom Tov Rosh Hashanah, Shechaliyot B'Shabbat, Demidash Ayutzokim, Avalobam Dina. If the first day of Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos, then there's no shofar blowing outside of the confines of the temple. We only blew it within the confines of the temple. And that indeed is codified in the Code of Jewish Law that Yom Tov Shavosh Hashanah Shechal Yot B'Shabbat Ein Tokim HaShofar. If Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbat, we don't blow the shofar. There is no violation of Jewish law to blow the shofar on a biblical level. And indeed on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, it's a biblical commandment to blow shofar. So indeed, the Gemara tries to understand this Mishnah. Namely, what would be the reason that we would take away the shofar if it comes out on Shabbos? And here we come to a very fundamental difference of opinion between the Babylonian Talmud, the Talmud Bavli, and the Jerusalem Talmud, the Talmud Yerushalmi. And I think that this difference of opinion is rather fundamental to our experience of Rosh Hashanah this particular year. The Babylonian Talmud in Mesechet Rosh Hashanah, Daf Kaftet Bet, page 29b, goes along and says the following. Indeed, we have two verses in the Torah that says that you should blow shofar. One verse says, and I quote, Shabbaton zichrom truah. It is a day of remembering the shofar blowing. But the other verse says, Yom Truah, a day of shofar blowing. So therefore the Gemara says, indeed we have two verses which are talking about two different kinds of Rosh Hashanah. If Rosh Hashanah comes out on a weekday from Sunday through Friday, then indeed we blow the shofar. It's a Yom Truah. But if Rosh Hashanah comes out on Shabbos, it's a day where we don't blow shofar, but just mention it. And therefore it's a Zichron Truah, a day we remember the shofar, albeit we don't blow it. The Gemara then says that cannot be the reason and that can't be the interpretation of the verse. Namely, if it says the remembrance of shofar blowing, can't mean that we're supposed to sit around and just remember the shofar and not blow it. Because if that would be the case, says the Gemara, 
why would they blow shofar in the temple? In the temple, I hope they're religious Jews. I hope they keep Jewish law. And in the temple, there's no reason why they shouldn't keep the law of not blowing shofar on Shabbos. Well, we started this lecture by saying that everywhere outside the temple, we won't blow shofar, but in the temple, we would. So if indeed it was because of a verse in the Torah, there would be no difference between inside the temple and outside of it. Therefore, says the Gemara, that can't be the reason. Therefore, says the Gemara, it must be a different reason. It's not a biblical reason, but rather a rabbinic one. The rabbis were concerned, says the Gemara, in the name of Ravah, that we, on Shabbos, would violate a law that doesn't apply on a weekday. And there is one law that doesn't apply on a weekday, and that is carrying. Carrying is not allowed on Shabbos without an Eruv, but is allowed, of course, from Sunday through Friday if Rosh Hashanah came out on those days. Therefore, says the Gemara, that many people are very excited about shofar blowing, but they're not so excited about that you can't carry. It's a very, very minor part of Shabbos experience. Therefore, says the Gemara, we were very concerned that people may go ahead and carry their shofar more than four amot in the public domain and not keep the laws of not carrying on Shabbos. And therefore we said, better not to use the shofar at all. We're concerned you may violate the law of carrying on Shabbos. So indeed, the Gemara comes along and says that biblically there's no difference. We should have blown shofar on Shabbos, but we had a rabbinic concern that we may violate the laws of carrying, and therefore the rabbi said, if Rosh Hashanah comes out on Shabbos, don't blow the shofar. Leave it at home and just blow it on the second day. Exactly what the Babylonian Talmud said can't be the reason, the Jerusalem Talmud says is the reason. If you're holding the source sheet, it's on the left side of the page, and I'll just say it out loud. The Jerusalem Talmud says very explicitly, Yom Teruah, a day of shofar blowing, is when Rosh Hashanah comes out from Sunday through Friday. But Rosh Hashanah comes out on Shabbos. Like this year, it's a Yom Zicha, as the verse said. On Shabbos, we just remember the shofar, we don't blow it. So it's not a rabbinic, it's not an invention of Rava, like in the Babylonian Talmud. But rather, it is if it comes out on Shabbos, just to remember the shofar, but not to blow it. That being the case, of course, the Jerusalem Talmud says in the temple they did blow shofar because of a certain particular law that says that the Torah says, Yom Teruah, day of shofar blowing, it says it in the context of sacrifices. So when you sacrifice, in the place you sacrifice, you always blow shofar, regardless of which day of the week it is. But outside the place, no. So to sum up what we said until now, we don't blow shofar if it comes out on Shabbos, any way you slice it. According to the Babylonian Talmud, because of a rabbinic concern, that we may carry on Shabbos in a forbidden way. And according to the Jerusalem, it's because the Pusuk, the actual verse dictates that.
Rosh Hashanah happens to fall out on Shabbos, it's just the day of remembering the shofar blowing, albeit not blowing. Now, if we would stop the class here, we would basically say everybody agrees you don't blow shofar outside the confines of the temple. The only difference of opinion is why, be it biblical or rabbinic, but we're good Jews. We'll keep the biblical laws, the rabbinic laws. So at the end of the day, we're not going to blow shofar. So what does it make a difference to us? Even if indeed there was no reason to think otherwise, I would say it doesn't make a difference to us. We don't blow shofar, be it this reason or that reason. And therefore, let's go on life. Rosh Hashanah will come. We won't blow shofar on day one. We will on day two, regardless of what the reason may be. However, when you open up the machzer, as many of us will do, God willing, this Friday night, and I give you my permission to open it beforehand and look it over, you'll see something very strange. And that is that if Rosh Hashanah comes out on Shabbos, above and beyond the additions we add to mention that it's Shabbos, the Machzer actually takes the Jerusalem Talmud's perspective and it into our mind. So if indeed Rosh Hashanah comes out, if it's a weekday and not a Shabbos, you see Yom Teruah, the day of Shofar. But if it's Shabbos, a Yom I'll be blowing. And this is very strange because when it comes to a difference of opinion between the Babylonian Talmud and the Jerusalem Talmud, we paskin like the Bavli. We codified the Jewish law like the Babylonian Talmud for various reasons. So here, there's a clear difference of opinion as to why you don't blow shofar. And yet, in our sitter, in our machzers, we go ahead and have decided this law in accordance with the Jerusalem Talmud and not the Babylonian Talmud. And this is Rather, if you look at the story sheet, at the code of Jewish boy, if Rosh Hashanah comes out from Sunday through Friday, you say, today is Rosh Hashanah, a day of shofar blowing, regardless of it be at night or the day, it's a day of shofar blowing. But if it comes out on Shabbos, you say it's a day to remember the shofar blowing. And indeed, one of the interpretations on the Jerusalem Talmud it's an interpretation called the Alei Tamar by a great rabbi named Rabbi Tamar, who functioned in the 20th century. His library was donated to the yeshiva that I was privileged to be in for eight years, known as Haritzion, a huge library. My uh, Rebbe and mentor, Rabbi Amital, Zechrono Lebracha, told us that Rabbi Tamar lived in a very small apartment, and everywhere you looked, there was a bookshelf. There was a bookshelf above the door, on the sides of the door, there were books everywhere. And indeed, in the Haritzion library, it takes up a very good few hundreds of meters. So it's not a very small library. So Rav Tamar, in his interpretation to the Jerusalem Talmud, says, and I quote, It's very strange. I open up my machzer, and I see our machzer follows the Jerusalem Talmud. Doesn't say Rosh Hashanah is Rosh Hashanah, and we don't blow shofar. Period. It says we don't blow shofar, and therefore, today is fundamentally 
different. You don't just say it's Rosh Hashanah and Shabbos. You say it's Shabbos, and it's a Rosh Hashanah of Zichron Trua. Just remembering the shofar blowing, not blowing it. And indeed, Rav Kamar goes ahead and says, very strange. We usually in and decide the Jewish law like the Babli, like the Babylonian Talmud. And indeed, this is a quandary that I'd like to ask. Why is it that despite the fact that the Babylonian Talmud is clearly against the Jerusalem Talmud on this point, clearly refuted that Zichron Teruah, remembering shofar blowing, does not mean that it, mean, that it falls out on Shabbos, and yet, we come along in our machzer and we paskin like the Jerusalem Talmud. Try to answer this question by assuming two things. Shofar blowing is not about making sounds. It's not about music, but rather shofar blowing is a form of a prayer. I'm not the first to say it. Many have said it before. Music, we wouldn't dare to say this. Machzir Shliach typical minion in jewel, you have a silent amida, and then you have what we call the chazan's repetition, or what I like to call the public amida. There's a chazan represents us, and we all hum along and say, um, during that particular public amida or chazan, we show for three times in the midst of it. In general, we don't do anything that will create a partition between davening and anything else. If we're in the middle of the Amida, be it the silent Amida or the Chazan's repetition, you're not allowed to interrupt it with things that have nothing to do with davening. So you can insert a fiut, namely any of the poems that we usually say on Rosh Hashanah to enhance the davening. The rabbi, of course, can feel free to get interpretations because that too enhances davening. But it would be unheard of that in the middle of the chazan's repetition, the chazan would take a break, sit down, eat a sandwich, drink something to get his voice back to par, and then continue. That would be an interruption. And that would invalidate davening. We'd have to obviously fix it. And yet on Rosh Hashanah, we go ahead and we disrupt the davening. We disrupt the davening by blowing shofar in the middle of it. And it's very strange that we do that when all year long we are very careful not to disrupt it. Explains the Ritva, one of the medieval interpreters on the Gemara, one of the Spartic interpreters in the basic ones. He says, and I quote, the of hearing shofar. That we do before the Musaf. But during Musaf, says the Rit, shofar blowing is chovat tila b'tzibur la'alot tila b'tru'ah. Shofar blowing is to elevate our davening, virtue of the shofar, or to be precise, elevate our davening 
by virtue of the crying sound that we do in the shofar, be it the do, 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 or be it the do, 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 both of those are called teruahs in the eyes of the Talmud and in the eyes of the Bible. And the way that we daven on Rosh Hashanah, says the Ritva, is to daven with the enhancement of the shofar. Or as I personally like to say, there's two kinds of prayer. One prayer is with our words. We come before God and we say, God, you're the master of the universe. Please give us a year, first and foremost, of health. We need a vaccine for COVID-19 desperately. Secondly, we all need to have happy lives, fulfilling lives, substantial lives. Thirdly, we need to have, obviously, a good livelihood in order to ensure that that life continues on a normative level, et cetera. As we use our words, B and C, we'd rather say, God, there's probably 10 things I didn't ask for. There's probably things I should be sorry for that I forgot about. And I got them, or I don't think they're important, or maybe I don't even think that they're vital, let alone needed. So God, I'm blowing chauffeur. You take it and turn it into a prayer. You take it and turn it into what's the best thing for the Jewish people and the world at large this particular year. So indeed, chauffeur blowings, had it been music, would have no place in the Amidah. Not the silent, and definitely not the Chazan's repetition, but because the Ritva. It's a form of prayer, a different kind of prayer, without words, but a prayer is, of course, it's way of interruption in our davening. This is our davening. So we daven with words for what we think we need, and then we have the shofar blowing for all the things we forgot about, all the things that perhaps we don't even know about. That being the case, a chauffeur blowing is a form of prayer. The question is, what kind of prayer? Is it a prayer that's happy or sad? Is it a prayer that ultimately talks about the achievements? Or is it a prayer that talks about the failures? Explained right, as quoted by Rav Herschel Schechter, as quoted by Dr. Alan Weissman in a book he put out of Rav Schechter's is Divrei Torah on the holidays, and I quote, it seems that the Yerushalmi holds that the, in the name of Absalom Shofar blowing is a form of prayer in which we request from God all the things we lack. And therefore, says the Jerusalem Talmud, it doesn't have a place on Shabbos because Shabbos is a day void of requests. Shabbos is a day in which our sages took out the 13 blessings of requests that we say three times a day, every other day of the week, and said it has no place on Shabbos. And therefore, said Rav Soloveitchik, this prohibition is more stringent on Shabbos than on Yom Tov, and since the blowing of the shofar is a tefillah shiyeshi madmo, a crying sound, a true sound, and which we cry, and we recall the things we don't have, says Rapsal 
no place on Shabbos, only on a weekday. Show for beer. And number two, it's a prayer of request and crying. So I think we can understand why in our Machser, they went with the Jerusalem Talmud's opinion regarding why we don't blow shofar. I believe that the Jerusalem Talmud, to be more precise, the authors of our Machser wanted to tell us that Rosh Hashanah is a day of two different yet combined experiences. On the one hand, it's the beginning of the Jewish year. Happy New Year, Shana Tova. It should be a good one, a wonderful one. We're dressing in our most, I would say, handsome and beautiful clothing. We have Yontiv meals. It's codified that we can fast on Rosh Hashanah. Holiday, point positive. If God forbid someone was sitting Shiva prior to Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah would come and cancel out the Shiva. It's no morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, and a Yomtev. And yet on the other hand, Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment. Rosh Hashanah is the day in which we stand before God in judgment for all that was in the past year. And not everything we did was achievements and things we're proud of. So it's a day of celebration. And yet it's also a day of trepidation. Comes the Lord of our and said, this is the way it should always be. But when Rosh Hashanah comes out on Shabbos and we have day one without shofar and day two with the shofar, we have a very unique year where these two experiences are pronounced. Celebration on the one hand and trepidation on the other. On Shabbos, there's no place to ask God for what we lack. It's a day in which you come into it and you say, God, whatever I've achieved this week, I'm very proud of, I have, I'm gonna separate with my family what I have, and the minute Shabbos ends and I make Abdullah, I'll start talking about what I lack. That's day one. No show for blowing. You don't come before God and plead for what you don't have. You don't come before God and plead with that crying chauffeur for everything that we're missing in our lives. Day number two, on the other hand, that's exactly what we're going to do. It's a day, as the Jerusalem Talmud understands, called Yom Teruah, a day of crying, of coming before God genuinely and say, God, we are in dire need of a vaccine for COVID-19. We are in dire need to save so many Jewish institutions that are in financial difficulties of COVID-19. We come before God and plead with tears, God, there are so many people that lost jobs this year, about a year ago, with money in the bank, salaries coming in. That's not the case this year. That's a Yom Teruah, day of crying before God. But the Shabbos, the first Rosh Hashanah, Teruah, a day to remember, to think, yes, there's many things that are lacking, but we're not going to say it. We're going to spend day number one thanking God for what we have. Day number two, we'll plead for what we lack. And indeed, I believe that when Rosh Hashanah came out on Shabbos, these two experiences are pronounced. 
day one, celebration. Day two, trepidation. And now I'll prove my point. The Jerusalem Talmud has a different perspective about why we don't have any requests in our Shabbos davening. Different from the Babylonian one. When the Babylonian Talmud says, well, our sages totally changed the davening, indeed, on a regular Shabbos, there's no 13 blessings of requests as we have in the silent Amida every day. It says the following, and I quote, If someone made a mistake and said the weekday Amida, says the Babylonian Talmud in Tractate Brachot, page 21a, if you made a mistake, finish that blessing. Because theoretically, Shabbos is a day of request. We're not naive, says the Babylonian Talmud. If someone doesn't have money in the bank going into Shabbos, it's not like Shabbos comes and he does have money in the bank. That lack of whatever it might be is still there, even if Shabbos comes in. So even if you have to shut off your cell phone, it doesn't make all the problems go away. Therefore, says the Babylonian Talmud, indeed, it's a day in which you don't physically pronounce your requests, but you know it. And if you made a mistake and you mentioned it, no big deal, because the rabbis never saw and foresaw a Shabbos in which it's void of forgetting all the problems in the world. Quite the contrary. The only reason they took out the 13 blessings was they didn't want to bother you. They didn't want to bother your Shabbos by saying and pronouncing all the things we lack. Not so. Not so at all. Not so was the Jerusalem Talmud. When the Jerusalem Talmud says, why is it that the 13 blessings of request are in our Amidah? They say simply, forbidden to request on Shabbat, period. From this perspective, while the Babylonian Talmud says there is a place for it, but we didn't want to, so we won't put it on the official agenda. We know it's there. Comes along to Jerusalem Talmud and says, no, it's forbidden to request on Shabbat. Forbidden like other prohibitions of Shabbat. So prohibited that it has no place on that day. And if you made a mistake in your davening, fix it because there's no place for it. I believe that the Jerusalem Talmud is telling us that the Shabbos experience is a day in which you have to assume all your work is done for that week. Whatever you've accomplished, you have to celebrate. For 25 hours, just clap your hands and say, thank you, God, for what I have. And then when the Saturday night comes, because as they used to tell me in the army, anytime they wanted to punish us on Shabbat, and they're not allowed to, according to the laws of the Israeli army, they used to say, Shabbat, Shabbat. Don't worry, for every Shabbos comes Motzei Shabbat, Saturday night. Saturday night comes, and you remember everything, and you'll say, again, God, I need this, and I need that, and I need the other thing. But not so on Shabbos itself. Shabbos itself is a day in which you have to quench your thirst 
by saying, I have so much. I'm happy with what I have. As Rashi says on the Chumash, on the, per, on the verse, the Yom HaShvi'i Shabbat Hashem that for six days you do all your melacha, but on Shabbos you have to think that all the melacha was done. There's nothing more to do for this week, but there's nothing more to do. For 25 hours, create an experience in which you basically say, I have accomplished a lot, and I'm going to congratulate myself for what I have. Therefore, says Jerusalem Talmud, there's no place for request on Shabbos, even if you said it by mistake. This being the case, you can understand now why the Jerusalem Talmud couldn't contemplate that chauffeur blowing has no place on Shabbos on a biblical level. Because they said, we request on Shabbos if needed, and indeed, if needed, we'll blow chauffeur on Shabbos. Because Shabbos and requests can live together. And therefore, the reason is a side reason we may carry. Not so the Jerusalem Talmud. The Jerusalem Talmud said it's on principle. Shabbos is a day in which we don't request for what we lack. And therefore, there's no place for shofar blowing, which by definition is a prayer, and a prayer of request for what we lack. No place for it on Shabbos. It's only a day to remember the chauffeur blowing. It's in our consciousness that there are people out there that are lacking, including us. But we don't say it and we don't blow it. It has no place on Shabbos. So while the Babylonian Talmud assumes that requests have a place on Shabbos, we're not naive to think we can go into Shabbos and forget all our problems. And therefore they can't say chauffeur blowing is totally an antithesis to Shabbos, comes along to Jerusalem Talmud and says, no, request is an antithesis on Shabbos, and therefore a chauffeur blowing, where we request things, has no place on Shabbos. Sunday, yes, he will blow the chauffeur, and we will plead, and we will request for all that we lack, but not on Shabbos. And allow me to prove my point, one additional way. As everybody knows, when Shabbos is over, we make two Abdullahs, one in davening, and one when we get home with a cup of wine and with the fire, and of course with the, the salmon with the spices. In the davening, we make this Abdullah starting with the words Atachonantano in the first of the 13 blessings of request, starting with the words Atachonantano. And the question is why? And once again, Babylonian Talmud against Jerusalem Comes along the Babylonian Talmud, the Ramad Gimel Amud Aleph, page 33a in Brachot, and says the following, and I quote. Amar Rab Yosef said, Rab Yosef, mitoch shehi chokma. We make Abdullah in the first possible blessing after Shabbos because it talks about wisdom. And only a person that has wisdom can make a distinction between Saturday and Sunday, between one minute before Shabbos ends in which there's so many prohibitions and one minute after Shabbos ends in which 39 prohibitions all of a sudden become permissible. 
You need to have a mind. You need to know how to read a watch. You need to know at what sunset is, what nighttime is, what nightfall is, and then you know to make Havdalah a distinction between the holy day of Shabbos and the non-holy days of the week. And that's the reason why it's in that bracha, we make Havdalah in the bracha that talks about wisdom. Another reason, says the Gemara, the majority reason, is mitoch shehichol lefikach kevahu it's the first of the nine, 13 blessings we say during the week. We put it in the first one, no real reason. Oh, the Jerusalem Talmud, once on Talmud. This is the Talmud that says, requests are against Sabbath. A person is forbidden, I repeat, a person is forbidden from requesting anything from God after Shabbos until they make Abdallah at the very least in their davening. Then they can start requesting. So we make Abdallah at the very first point in the silent Amida we could, because now that we made Abdallah and we said, oh, it's no longer Shabbos, now and only now when we start requesting. So once again, the Jerusalem Talmud that said requesting on Shabbos is off limits, period, says you have to make Avdullah before you request after Shabbos. Based on this, I'd like to suggest that this particular year, a year in which we have days of Rosh Hashanah, one with the chauffeur, that requesting, pleading chauffeur, and day number two without it, comes along the machser and says, why don't you take the Jerusalem's Talmud perspective on this first Shabbos of the year? Because if you take it on the first Shabbos of the year, it hopefully will have its influence on all the Shabbos of the year. Namely, every Rosh Hashanah is about celebration and trepidation. In a year in which we don't blow shofar, let's pronounce it. First day Rosh Hashanah, no pleading, no requesting. No chauffeur blowing. And therefore, it's just a day to think about what we lack. Zichron, Teruah, thinking about the crying, the pleading that we need to do, but not saying it. Second day of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Teruah, a day where we will plead and request and hope that God will go ahead and give us everything that we requested. From this perspective, Rosh Hashanah this year is very unique. It should be this way all every year, but this year it's pronounced. One day, we should sit together and be happy. Be happy that we're alive and well. We got to another Rosh Hashanah after a very, maybe unprecedented, challenging year because of COVID-19 and all the ramifications that this virus brought with it. That's day number one. No show for blowing. No pleading, no requesting. Be happy and thankful for what we have. And we have a lot. The very fact that I can talk to you tonight, Brader, in the comfort of my home, and be able to go ahead and basically share Torah words with you without even leaving my home is an amazing achievement. Not to mention the fact 
that we're able to have a Rosh Hashanah meal. Did that to mention the fact that despite the difficulties, we're able to daven. These are things we have to be thankful for, and we have to sit around and say, thank God we made it to another year with all these excuses. Day number one. We don't forget the problems. They're right here. We remember them. Zichron trua. We remember everything we need to plead for, albeit we don't say it. Day number two, we'll plead, we'll request, we'll be accountable for everything we did in the past year. The Jerusalem Talmud and the way it made it into our master says, take these two experiences because each are as important. One day, be happy with what you have. Day two, start pleading for what you lack. And that is the complete Rosh Hashanah experience. Sometimes it's on the same very day because we blow shofar on both days, but this year they're divided up. Day number one, no shofar blowing, be happy with what you have. Day number two, with shofar blowing, we'll plead for all we lack. If I can sum up this entire lecture, I would say in this particular year, in which we have a Rosh Hashanah, one day with the shofar and one day without, it's a year in which you can take the same day, even the same, almost the same prayers, and sometimes dance with them and sometimes cry with them. And I want to give an example of what I mean. Many of you out there probably know the Israeli song that talks about Bashanah Ba'ah. Here in Israel, it's a big hit before Rosh Hashanah. Next year, Bashanah Ba'ah, Neshev Alamir Peset, and he sports Yipurim No Dedot. It's a very, very known song. It's a hip song. It's a nice song. It was written by a gentleman by the name of Ehud Manor. And I have to admit, it's a song that became very, very famous. I found out this year that this particular song written by Ehud Manor, was a sad song. He wrote it sort of as a eulogy. He said, I'm sitting on my balcony with my father who died 25 years ago, with my brother who was killed two years ago at the Suez Canal, and I'm imagining sitting there with them, but they're no longer here. And he ends the song by saying, and the sun is setting. It's dark. That's my experience. Dark, mourning, death. He wrote the song, someone put a tune to it, and the tune was very sad. The minute they heard the tune, they said, this song's not gonna go anywhere. It was put in a drawer, it wasn't thought of. Having said that, there was a certain group in Israel that came along and saved the song. This group went ahead and said, these are wonderful words. The problem is not so much the words, the problem is tune. Tune is dreadful and slow and not hip, We'll make it happy and clappy, and indeed we'll change just one word. Instead of talking about the sun setting, you guessed it, we'll talk about the sun going ahead and rising. And that's exactly what happened. So Ehud Manor is sitting at home one day, hears his words, his song, albeit with a different tune. And instead of saying, this is an outrage, I wrote it as a sad song. How dare they sing it in a happy way? He went ahead and said, you know what? Makes sense. 
The same words can be danced, they can be cried. The same words, you can use it to a happy tune or you can use it to a sad tune. I believe there is no better way to summing up this class than that story. Next year, we're going to sit on the balcony. We're going to hear the birds chirping. That same scene can be taken in a negative and in a positive. In a negative, I'm sitting on the porch because I can't go to a party. I can't go into a mall. COVID-19 doesn't even allow me to go to shul. So I'm sitting on my balcony. Many of us in Israel this year, diving on our balconies, with other balconies as opposed to Davinder in one group and in the shul. Very sad scene. And yet, take the same scene. People are not sitting there with masks on. They're sitting there in the afternoon. They're reading the newspaper or a very good book. And they're sitting with their kids. It's wonderful. Same scene, two different scenarios. Same day. Rosh Hashanah. The question is, what are we doing? It's the day of celebration or the day of trepidation? Is it the day in which we're happy? Thank God we're alive and well for another year? Or is it, God forbid, a day in which we have so much to request and so many terrible things to be accountable for? It's not going to be anything but a very sad, crying day. A proper Rosh Hashanah is a Rosh Hashanah which is an intertwining of these two things. On the one hand, it's a day of celebration. On the other hand, it's a day of trepidation. And this year we have the ability to pronounce it. One day without the, the crying chauffeur and one day with it. So we have the same officer. We're gonna use many of the same prayers on both days, albeit part of them at some times of Rosh Hashanah, we're gonna dance them. We're gonna have those happy tunes. We're gonna have the happy tune to the words Bashana And yet the times on Rosh Hashanah where the same words will be taken, not in the happy way, but with great fear for what yet is about to happen, not to mention being accountable for what already happened. I hope and pray that this particular year will be a year of many more celebrations than trepidations. But this Shana, I hope that we give the proper room for both. On the one hand, the for our celebration, and at the same time, the proper room for our trepidation. The proper room for the day with the chauffeur, and the proper room for the day without it. Thank you all very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you join me in thanking Rabbi Grunstein for a very enlightening presentation. Who knew? Rabbi Grunstein knew. That's who knew. Thank you, Rabbi. And for all you good folks, I'm confident you'll want to join us again next Wednesday when the OTS Presents Shear is delivered by the president and Rosh Yeshiva of Ortor Stone, Rabbi Dr. Kenneth Brander. It's a shear not to be missed. And uh, one last reminder to participate in Ortor Stone's one to one matching gift campaign. Don't forget to visit ots.org.il. Again, that's ots.org.il. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll once, we once again wish you our very best 
And thank you for learning with Orator Stone. Be well. Bye-bye.